the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And it's the final instalment of our third season of Summer of Sharks. So, it's about time we ended the Sharknado franchise after all this time with the last Sharknado, It's About Time. All good things must come to an end, and we are dealing with the final instalment of the Sharknado series. We've got through all six films now, and we're going to take a look at the final one, The Last Sharknado, It's About Time. And who would be the best person to sum up final Sharknado movie? I hear you ask. Well, it's got to only be one person, the one, the only, Mr Nick Reganus. And this is his IMDb synopsis on The Last Sharknado, It's About Time. With humankind brought to its knees after their inconceivable shark Armageddon in Sharknado 5 global swarming, the veteran shark hunter Finn Shepard finds himself in need of a bigger chainsaw. Stranded in a strange far-off land, Finn comes face to face with the unfathomable compilations of the devastating Sharkzilla as unsteady leaps through time and unexpected but dear traveller have breached the space-time continuum, setting in motion the ultimate rescue mission beyond physical reality. As a result, Finn and a handful of battle-hardened camaraderies in arms have to harness the miracle of time and strike at the root of evil, the original Sharknado, and mother of all shark-infused vortices. Now, to make history, Finn must rewrite history. In the world prepared for the dawn of a new age, and the end of The Last Sharknado. So if I had to sum this film up, I would say Back to the Future with Sharks. More specifically, Back to the Future Part 3 with Sharks, because there's a lot of time jumps in this. And to be fair, I don't know where else they could have ended this. I think this is quite a satisfying conclusion to the epicness of Sharknado. It's pretty creative in the time jumps and the settings we get. And it just takes you through a bit of a ride through history. We get some fabrications of historical moments, including Sharknadoes, basically, which is just fun to watch. It's over the top, as always. Tongue-in-cheek, as always. The CGI is terrible. There's dinosaurs. There's sharks, obviously. There's just a bit of everything in this. And I think it's the kind of movie that you will have a good time with. And I know it's actually been scored quite low which we will get into later on in the episode but for me I think there was no better way to conclude this franchise at this point what else did they do they had to go big bold 
and it's just a ton of fun. Yeah, it kicks off with kind of a Jurassic Park ripoff where there's a stampede of dinosaurs where Finn is trying to get the bag with Robot April's head in it because one of the dinosaurs has stolen it off him. It's a ridiculous opening. But what would you expect from this series? You're right. Go big or go home is their ethos in this one. And they do go quite big. Of course, all the historical jumping about, it really is just a peg on which to hang ridiculous action sequences. It goes to Camelot. You do get a few characters from Camelot. I was thinking that King Arthur might come into it, but there's a whole thing about the sword in the stone. And of course, the only guy that can extricate Excalibur from the stone is, of course, Finn. You do get Alaska Thunderfuck as Morgana, who is extremely welcome to see in this movie. She is absolutely brilliant in that sequence. I think if you haven't really got into the Sharknado movie sequence by now, this isn't going to win you over because it drops you in it it expects you to know a certain amount of information from the previous movies. It expects you to know what the characters have done before. And that's absolutely fine for a sixth movie in the series. You're not really trying to win anybody else over. You're not bringing anybody on board for a final movie. The time travelling plot, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The time travelling rules seem to get reinvented every time they jump somewhere else. The whole thing about needing to get to 88 miles an hour, another Back to the Future reference, to get to the next time jump, leads to some fairly creative ways of trying to get to 88 miles an hour. I do have to say that one of them, there is no fucking way they could have got to 88 miles an hour. They're getting towed behind a shark at some point. Sharks will not be able to get to 88 miles an hour. I am very sorry. But really, at that point, I wasn't going to go... Hold on a minute, I'm taken out of this now. That wouldn't happen. The whole series of Sharknado wouldn't happen. So if you're going to pick holes on the fact that getting towed behind a shark doesn't generate the necessary speed, really, why are you asking yourself that question in a movie that's about tornadoes full of sharks? It's just ridiculous. But that's what we like about this series. Yes, it might not hit the highs of the series, But I agree with you, it's a really nice way to finish everything off because it takes the series in a slightly different direction. It's not quite as reliant on the cameos this time. It actually does have some sort of plot, which is quite surprising for a Sharknado movie. There are some cameos, there are some really good cameos. There are instances like there's Dee Snider from Twisted Sister as a sheriff. So you still get cameos, but they're not front and centre like they are in the other movies. It's more interested with these. It's almost like an anthology movie where they go into different time zones. And it's almost like a video game. It's like we have to get through this one to get to the next level. We have to get through this bit to get to the next level. And the closer you get to finding Gil, then you're thinking, right, okay, something big is going to have to happen in the last half hour. Something absolutely big does happen in the last half hour. The last half hour of this movie is absolutely batshit. I said the last half hour of the fifth one was batshit. This is more batshit. It goes in all sorts of different directions. It's got this apocalyptic air about it, the last bit. But not in a way that will depress you. It's the Sharknado 
version of an apocalypse. And of course, we have to mention Gilbert Gottfried is back. Oh, I love seeing Gilbert Gottfried. I'm still not over the fact that he's no longer with us. What a character. And of course, he is a news anchor yet again in the sequence, but it's set in the 1960s, I believe. So he's in black and white. Something a bit more creative again. He looked like he was having a great time with it. Yeah, I've pretty much agreed with everything you said there, Darren. I found myself chuckling through this. There's a lot of jokes that are very in your face and it's that kind of sensation where you know that you shouldn't be laughing because the jokes are that bad but they do make you laugh all the same so I think there was a lot of that going on for me the character from Morgana yeah brilliant character what a screen presence I really really enjoyed her performance in it yeah just going through all the different time sequences there was even the the Hamilton references again it's so funny because they're face to face with the genuine George Washington and Alexander Hamilton and then they're talking about the musical the Broadway musical and struggling to get tickets and these historical figures have no clue what they're talking about it's just silly fun it's just mixing the past with well the present as it was in 2018 when this film came out so a lot of pop culture jokes and it's just a good time and it's feel good and I agree with you as well it's not as heavy on the cameos and the focus is brought to the core group of Sharknado survivors. And I think that it's kind of nice just to see these characters off in a positive way because they are endearing characters. We've enjoyed them throughout the whole franchise. And it's just very tongue-in-cheek, doesn't take itself seriously. And I think over the films, this group of characters have got such a rapport with each other that it just really works and it really holds up. So... I have nothing really negative to say about this. I just had a really good time. And on a personal note, I have been struck down with the evil COVID once again. So this kind of movie really uplifted me and took me out of my COVID-inflicted misery. So I just think this is one that you'll just have a good time with if you suspend your disbelief. But as Darren says, if you haven't got on board with Sharknado by this point, it's probably best to leave this out because this is one for the fans. This is one for the people that have stuck with it for six movies. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it is the payoff for getting through the other five, basically. Now, getting through the other five, that makes it sound like a terrible time at the movies. It's not. But it does really pay off for the people who have hung around just to see where the series is going next, and have gone with it regardless of where they've sent everybody. I mean, it's gone into space. It's gone around the world. As we said in the last one, you've got Fabio as the Pope, which I still think is the most genius bit of casting in the entire series. It wants to leave you with a nice warm feeling at the end of it you don't really want these characters to go through the mill anymore and you don't want any of them to die really and spoiler alert everything does pan out very nicely at the end you do get a reunion of all the major characters they're all back in the bar where it all started one thing i will say about the bar sequence is they've tried to knit in archive footage of john hurd who was in that first movie and he's no longer with us. And that's really nice. However, the guy that they've got to do the back view of the John Hurd character, it's a terrible wig. 
And every time you see this guy from the back, I was just thinking, that is so not John Hurd. They've tried, but just don't shoot him from the back. Just have all the archive footage and you don't need to see him carrying a chair or from the back. He could have just left it where you just see little snippets of John Hurd in there just to make you think, oh yeah, he was in the first movie, he's great. You know, it's terrible that he's no longer with us. But the whole point of where they just have him, you know, he carries a chair out at one point and it's just like, that clearly is not him. And I guess it kind of fits in with the cheesiness of the franchise. But there was no need to do it at the end. I'm not really sure what the thinking behind that was. I'm wondering if it was intentional, as you say, Possibly. just to just play into yeah. the big movie vibe of the whole film. Yeah. I'm wondering if it was that rather than they just had a really bad wig. But I think, again, everything Sharknado does is endearing. It is, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really complaining. It was just like, oh, God, <laughs> when they did it. But as you say, yeah, it may be that they did that as a joke. It was just like, well, you know, we can't get John Hurd. Let's just have somebody shot from the back. Let's get a wig that's kind of nearly what it looked like in the first one. There are so many things in this movie that you could pull apart if you wanted to. But that is just mean. This movie and the series around it, basically, it's just meant to give you a good time. It's not trying to be Citizen Kane, and it certainly isn't. But there are so many memorable points within the series and there are so many people who have lined up to appear in this clearly wanting to be in Sharknado second Sharknado opening bit Rachel True's in it from the craft who would have thought Rachel True would be in a Sharknado movie I thought it was fucking brilliant that she was in a Sharknado movie but you do get people who want to be in Sharknado because it's become this kind of phenomenon Big up to the people who just thought, well, you know what? It's trashy. It's ridiculous. But hey, I want to be in the movie. I would have happily been in a Sharknado movie if somebody would have asked me. Maybe if they make another one, they might ask us to be like podcasters or something, (laughs) considering how much love we have shown for this franchise on the whole. And I nearly forgot to mention Cyborg Sharks. There is a futuristic sequence that is brilliant. You think how much more over-the-top can they get, and they just bring these robotic, machine-killing sharks, and it's, it's really funny, and they're just sort of floating around there. It looks horrendous, but in the spirit of the franchise, it's like you wouldn't expect anything less from them. And it's where the April robot character has become this supervillain as well, and has cloned the real April, so there's basically the world is run by April, so you have multiple Tara Reads running around and it's it's pretty hilarious. They just go above and beyond with this one and I think they're going to throw out everything at it because it's the final movie. So just expect a lot of daftness, but it will put a smile on your face. I mean, from the beginning, just the fact that there was dinosaurs and the sharks and like battling each other. And I was thinking, this is not that far apart from Baby Shark Space Adventure, which I'm having to watch on loop at the moment because I have a two-year-old, which, you know, features a shark traveling to a dino planet. So to be honest, I was like, this isn't that much different from what I've already had to endure today. Yeah, the thing about the dinosaur sequence as well, slightly disappointing, but I can understand why. Dolph Lundgren doesn't come back for this one. He was at the end of the fifth one, but he's not there. And there's kind of a hologram of the Dolph Lundgren character, but it's not him. And you can tell somebody else's voice in it. So... 
Slightly disappointed that Dolph didn't come back, but Dolph makes a lot of movies, and he was in the fifth one, so that's fine. The Planet of the April sequence is fucking hilarious. I absolutely loved it. It's just hundreds of Tara Reeds running about. It's absolutely fantastic. If you thinking, where is this movie going to go in the last half hour? That's where it's going to go in the last half hour. They've gone to 2013, where everything is Tara Reid. I was very, very pleased with that sequence in it, because I was like, well, how are they going to do the future in this movie? Because it's the one thing they haven't really done. So what's their version of the future going to look like? It does not disappoint. It is very much a Sharknado version of the future. In keeping with the rest of it, it is utterly ridiculous. And the fact that robot Tara Reid is still holding a candle for Finn and she's got some kind of shrine to him. She's got all his previous weaponry in this kind of futuristic trophy case. It's just bonkers. But I wouldn't expect anything less from this franchise. I want it to be bonkers. If I'd have come out of this movie thinking, well, you know, it was fine, but I think they could have pushed it a bit further. I think I would have felt a little bit disappointed. As it is, I think they've gone as far as they possibly could and basically have left it on a pretty much of a high, especially with the fifth one. I mean, the fifth one was crazy. And I was thinking, well, how are they going to top it? in terms of craziness. Uh, This one does succeed in topping it in terms of craziness. And it has all sorts of anachronistic stuff in it that you're just going to find hilarious or thoroughly irritating. My favourite bit was the British accent, in inverted commas, in the Camelot sequence, where something happens. One of the extras goes, Oh, blimey! That was the point at which I had to stop the movie for a couple of minutes because it's such a terrible English accent and it's purposely terrible as well. You know that they're just not trying or they've told somebody not to try. It's like, right, just don't do a proper accent. Just do your approximation of what you think an English accent should be. And that's what makes it all so worthwhile. The Camelot sequence is just bizarre because even when the sharknado hits you've just got villagers wandering about as if nothing's going on and they're getting eaten by sharks but they're just kind of plodding about so there's mayhem going on in the foreground and there's just these kind of medieval villagers just sort of trudging around in the background just waiting to get eaten why don't know it's sharknado just go with it Yeah, absolutely. You just have to roll with every single sequence and you're not sure where you're going to end up next. But either way, it's a good time. So, yeah, I thought this was a great way to conclude Sharknado as a franchise. And I think it's satisfying for fans because it doesn't end on a bleak note. It ends pretty uplifting. And I just don't think you could ask for anything more. And it wraps it up all nicely as well. It's just all packaged up nicely at the end. So that's it, their story's over, but you've had a wild ride going along with it. Yeah, it's quite sad to come to the end of this series now because we've done all six movies and at the time of broadcast, I don't think there are any plans to do any more Sharknado movies. I do know that they're going to re-release the first one with some unseen footage, so that's coming back out, but it's not a new Sharknado movie. 
I think it's right to leave it where it is. I think you've got those six movies and I'm not sure I would want to see a Sharknado 7, to be perfectly honest, because we've already got the six that we have. Absolutely. So returning to the low scores, it's only got a 3.5 out of 10 on IMDb with a couple of people reviewing it with titles such as Disappointed and Dumb, Dumb, Dumb. Some people have given it some nice reviews as well, but on on the general consensus, it's not really holding up. Maybe people were Sharknado fatigued by the time it had come out because these films were literally being mass produced one after the other at the time. So it's like every year you're guaranteed a new Sharknado film until they stopped with this one. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 27% tomato meter and a 38% audience score. Again, I just don't think people have appreciated this that much and haven't seen the funny side as much as perhaps the more diehard fans of this have. So I think we've kind of watched this film in hindsight rather than at the time. So I think it's quite kind of nice that there's been some distance from the Sharknado hype so they can be rewatched and appreciated for the films they are. Yeah, that's true. I think I did watch the second or the third one as it came out. And at the time, I don't think I'd got into the vibe of the series. And I do remember a Facebook post of mine just being bewildered by it. It was like, what, what have I just watched? And I think you're right, with a bit of distance and to be able to view the whole series. Now I do know what I've just watched. It's a movie series that takes everything as far as it possibly can. Anything is acceptable. There's nothing off limits. If they have a daft idea, I'm sure that they just put it in regardless. I'm sure that if somebody was on set saying, what about this? I've got a feeling that they said, oh, let's try and work that in somehow. And I'm all for that. It's the spirit of filmmaking on a budget. There's obviously a little bit of money behind this movie, but not a ton, basically. It's kind of sci-fi channel budgets, which you're never going to get a huge amount of money for that anyway. And I'm guessing as the series rolled on, most of the budget was getting the cast back rather than the effects. It certainly isn't the effects, because if you look at the effects, you think, well, how much money have they spent on these? Clearly not a huge amount. But that's not the problem. You know, you don't go into these movies thinking, I'm going to see a realistic portrayal of a shark movie. And the people that said dumb, dumb, dumb in the review, what do you expect from this franchise? Can you not go into this movie and then think, oh, well, that was really dumb? Well, of course it's really dumb. It's purposely dumb. It's meant to be daft. It's meant to be ridiculous. So if you come out of that movie and go, well, that was dumb, yes, it's done its job. It's dumb. It's a dumb movie. If you don't like dumb movies, this is not going to try and win you over. Absolutely. So it was originally broadcast on the 19th of August 2018 on the Sci-Fi Channel and produced by The Asylum, which has produced all of them. So yeah, nearly five years after this film's been released, we're reviewing it, looking back on it with a smile on our faces. As you say, it is an end of an era that we've completed this franchise. Quite exciting, we've completed another franchise on this podcast at 109 episodes so uh, we're doing well and I'm sure there are more franchises to come obviously not involving sharks and tornadoes but this was something unique for the time and I think it will always remain a cult classic it definitely holds up in terms of shark movies and when you think of the shark movie genre you're gonna think 
immediately of Jaws, but I think equally you're going to think of Sharknado because there's those two branches of subgenre where you've got the more serious shark film and the more ridiculous shark film. And I think what is special about Sharknado, yes, it's absolutely ridiculous, but it knows it wants to be and it's not doing it in a forced, desperate way like some other films try to do in the genre. This is, in my opinion, the original, the best, ridiculous B-movie shark film and I just think it's very hard to top it has a great cast and they have great chemistry with each other and that's what keeps the viewers invested for six movies so with all that said we are going to give you our own personalized rankings of this franchise which movies we enjoyed from worst to best so Darren would you like to give your personalized ranking to begin with yeah, I'll go for it. This is really difficult, I have to say, because everything's pretty much on a level apart from one movie. Now, my least favourite movie is Sharknado The Fault Awakens. I was so disappointed by that movie. It was really set up to be a great movie and a really good addition to the franchise, and they'd got the story where it needed to be, and yet they did almost nothing with it. You know, they didn't do anything with the location. It just didn't work for me. So, unfortunately, at the bottom of the pile, it is Sharknado The Fourth Awakens. Next, it's Sharknado 5 Global Swarming. As much as I love that movie, it's got some fairly stiff competition. So, next, fourth place, is Sharknado. The last one, it's about time. Again, really enjoyed it, but... It's up against all the other movies in the series. Third in the ranking, Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell yes. It's third. Second, it's the original Sharknado, which I still have a soft spot for. Yes, they were still finding defeat, but I think they really nailed the tone of humour that they were going to sit with for the rest of the movie franchise. And my personal favourite, Sharknado 2, the second one. Great first 20 minutes, carries it through to the rest of the movie. I had a massively good time watching this. And to be perfectly honest, it's one I've actually gone back and watched again while we've been doing this franchise. So I have seen the second Sharknado more times than is probably necessary, but I fucking love the second one. So for me, just the same as Darren, my worst Sharknado movie is Sharknado The Fourth Awakens. By this point, I'd felt like the franchise had definitely jumped the shark, and I'm not apologising for that pun. And I thought maybe they should have stopped at three movies. I thought, how much worse is this going to get? But obviously, the fifth one bolstered it up, so I wasn't disappointed for long, really. But yeah, The Fourth Awakens is the weakest in the franchise. As you say, it just doesn't really build on its ideas or do anything creative like some of the other ones next up i would probably say the last sharknado would be the next one again it's not that it runs out of steam or anything like that but i just think coming after fifth one which was just crazy and insane i think this one had a lot to live up to and while it's a good conclusion as we've discussed i just don't think it is the top film as you say it's got a stiff competition so I would place then my third favourite movie would probably be the first one because it sets everything up nicely, but it's not found its fins exactly by this point. 
<laughs> you know, it's a fun movie and it probably could have worked as a standalone, but I think that the fact that the rest of the movie is expanded on the ideas. Then next up, I'm going to say the second one is probably slightly better than the first one. It's set in New York, so they have a lot of fun with the location and it's great characters again and just really fun ideas. And then my second favourite would be the fifth one that we've recently covered, just because I say, like, I had such a good time with it. And then my favourite out of the Sharknado franchise is the third one, Oh Hell No, because the title alone is just ridiculous. And I think that it really did go to great heights into space. And the fact that it's set at a theme park as well, it's set in Florida, so it has lots of different cameos in it. I believe this is the one that featured Jedward as well. So, But yeah, this one was really where they kind of set the ball rolling for how over the top they could be. And I just remember that one was the one I had the most fun with. So there you have it. Let us know your rankings. We'd love to know which order you would rate the Sharknado films. So it'd be interesting to compare. Yeah. Interesting that we've gone slightly different directions. You're mm. right. I mean, everything is at a fairly crazy level, and I don't think there's a lot of gap between the movies. It's kind of like the Scream franchise. Everything's at a certain level, and it might dip occasionally, but most of them are pretty good. I think you can make a case for pretty much any movie, apart from the fourth one, to be top of the tree in the Sharknado franchise. I've really enjoyed covering this series. I know a lot of people, when I was talking about covering Sharknadoes, they were like, why the hell are you doing the Sharknado <laughs> franchise? These are really, really enjoyable movies. I'm sure we're going to have a good time covering them, and I definitely have. And the only sad bit is that we've come to the end of it now. I like the fact that we've gone through them all and we've been able to give them their fairest hearing that they could on the podcast, because a lot of people were very sniffy about the Sharknado movies. And my feeling is like, fuck all those people. I don't really care what they've got to say about the Sharknado franchise. I know it's creaky. I know it's terrible. I know it's ridiculous. I know the jokes are awful in it. That's what I like about this sort of movies because it's making a point of all of that stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it is the end of an era. And I've got a Sharknado-shaped gap in my life now. We'll have to find something else. But I think, to be fair, it would have been absolutely criminal if we hadn't covered these movies, considering we were taking on the shark-toothed shark genre of films. You can't talk about Jaws without talking about Sharknado, and obviously that might sound controversial to some people, but that's the hill I will die on. I'm sorry, Jaws fans, you just got to live with it. We love Jaws. Don't get us wrong, we absolutely love Jaws. But for every Jaws, there must be a Sharknado. Yeah, you've got to have balance, and this definitely serves the balance. So that's it for Summer of Sharks Series 3. We hope you've enjoyed riding the waves with us on these. Um, let us know which movies that you have enjoyed us covering the most. Um, I think we've had quite a varied selection. As I said, we've gone through some of the more ordeal-based horrors and then some of the absolute silliness of the shark genre. So let us know what you think and will we be back for a future summer of sharks who knows have we exhausted this genre yeah well you'll just have to wait until next summer to find out i do wish we could chat longer 
And that's it for episode 109 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And as always, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, X, and Instagram yeah. <laughs> at HD Movie Podcast. I nearly said Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore. Yeah, it's X now. I'm <laughs> going to have to get used to that. Yeah, it, it is X. Well done. <laughs> well... It doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well remembered. It's X. Yeah, we're there. We're still on X. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Twitter. So, how do we follow up Summer of Sharks? Do we go with something as frivolous and bonkers as Sharknado 6? No, we don't. Next week, we are going to be looking at Nicholas Rogue's 1980 psychodrama bad timing i'm very nervous about this one and i'll discuss in more depth in the next episode but yeah this one's going to be intense so join us for the ride as always until then stay safe everybody and we'll see you soon the hd movie podcast is presented by Haley alice roberts and darren gaskell its music is written and performed by mitch bay you can find the episodes on apple podcasts Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.